0: I'm Sean Hargreaves, I'm the production designer. Um, I'm responsible for basically the look of the film in terms of the uh, sets, uh, all, of the, all of the designs of the machinery, um, the set dressing, um, the props. And ba- the basic overall look of the film is under my umbrella, and uh, I work with uh, Steve Beck and um, Gail Tassasol, the DP, on achieving that goal.
1: Okay, this is uh, Howard Berger from K&B Effects Group, Inc. um, And I'm responsible for uh, the special makeup effects in this film, which is basically creating all the ghosts, all 13 ghosts and uh, all the other makeup effects throughout the course of the film. And
2: uh, and here's Steve Beck, who's the director. 13 ghosts, my God, 13 ghosts. What a wonderful opportunity that was. Lord, there's lots of different things to talk about with this project, lots of different images that I can conjure up in my mind that still sort of resonate through the uh, the molecules of the brain, as it were. But um, the interesting aspects of 13 Ghosts kind of fill in, fall into so many different categories. The um, aspects of the house, the architecture, the actors within it, the cast members, what they were going through and what their characters were emoting. The aspects of the ghosts and this time bomb that was down in the basement. Uh, there were so many things to reflect upon, so many issues that we could uh, look at.
1: In this sequence, um, there's only really one ghost. We introduced the first ghost, which is uh, we call the Breaker, which is also known as the Juggernaut It's played by this giant actor uh, from Canada. His name is John DeSante. And um, Steve did a, a great job all the way around picking people that really fit the designs of the characters. We had, did a, had done a bunch of design work uh, for the ghosts early on and uh, kind of had the flavor of what steve was looking for and he went ahead and had somebody else do more artwork and ended up casting a lot of the actors that were were just perfect um for for playing each of these uh, specific bad. ghosts as we'll see but this first guy up is is uh, uh the breaker
0: Zane seems a little more appropriate feels like he's breathing down my neck man it is my professional opinion we should get the hell out of here now noted
1: i will just uh talk a little bit about what the breaker was it uh As far as the makeup goes, um, John was in a full body suit, it was a full foam rubber appliance suit that he was zipped into and glued down to every morning. Uh, There was a whole neck piece, um, uh, facial side face pieces, nose, chins, lips, he was completely covered. Uh, Big red contact lenses and and um, almost kind of like a a Frankenstein lurch sort of type of character and and uh, something that Steve was really kind of hooked into it when we were designing all the ghosts he was very specific about having backstories although none of this comes about in the film it wasn't necessary to the storytelling but um, Steve was real specific in trying to figure out why each of these ghosts are the way they are and uh, that helped us design a lot of the uh, a lot of the looks and kind of understand where these ghosts had come from and Breaker basically this is his junkyard and what he used to do when he was alive is um, pretty much help people off the side of the road, then completely kill them, strangle them, crush them, murder them, however he wanted to kill them. And um, he met his demise with a hail of gunfire. So there's giant bullet hits all over his body and his head and all that. And he pretty much died then and became a ghost haunting
2: this, uh, you know, his his former um, uh, junkyard. You know, Thirteen Ghosts is a is a is a type of movie. In all honesty, it's it's a fantastic thrill ride. It's a it's a Halloween party on a roller coaster. That's all it truly is. It's you know it's escapist fare, and it's meant to get you know get you on the, the roller coaster as fast as possible, and hopefully you care about a few of the characters in the in the uh, yeah, during the ride, and, and then hang on for as as tight as possible for as long as possible. And we can give you a, a few frights in the middle of a just sort of a, a rollicking good time.
0: How can you possibly justify what you're doing, Cyrus? It's out and out slavery. I'll give you this, Damon. You are persistent. And what about you, Kalina? Still character- <sighs> These outfits were really great. The. Uh, these. Uh, ghost Catcher outfits were basically just. Um, I think they were just transparent ponchos. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they, they taped on this. Uh, fine and reflective material on it. Just something simple like that. And it really. It looked great. Please, for children. You'll never pull it off not without the right spells that and the 13th ghost 13th ghost get them out of my sight
1: we were um uh, brought onto this project early on and uh we had had handled the makeup effects in um house on haunted hill which Gil adler and joel silver had produced as well and and handled all the makeup effects for that and when that film ended uh, the guys were happy with us thank goodness and uh gill had mentioned you know the next one's 13 ghosts so of course, that made our brains start ticking uh, as things moved along. Um, you know, Gil called and said, "Okay, we're ready to do this, and we have this director, Steve Beck, and he's from ILM, and and uh, he's done a lot of great commercial stuff. I was familiar with a lot of his his work, and." Um, went ahead and, uh, you know, read the script, broke things down, and then got a chance to meet with Steve, who was really, really awesome, and uh, had a lot of magnificent ideas. But it was nice to, that the guys had, you know, kind of paid us back for the hard work, and we had done a, on
2: House on Haunted Hill with uh, with this film. To a large degree, we kind of set out some basic parameters. There was a simple story written, and there were some character sketch works, you know, rather fantastic thoughts into a singular sort of production design and that's i think what we uh, relied upon you so much sean for doing that stuff
0: yeah steve um the glasses that you saw um f murray abraham uh put on right there he uh they were they went through quite a few um design shapes and sizes and and um, materials and we found this company that uh had like this double layered lens uh thing going on that um we liked, and we basically custom made them based on that, and uh, um, built in these lights on the, on either side. It just makes it look uh, pretty high tech. Uh, Sean, wasn't some of this
1: stuff then they picked up outside of the sound stages? Like the, this, didn't you guys build like a section of uh, the junkyard? I remember one night, yeah. like a couple nights, freezing our butts off in Vancouver.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Outside, there was a few shots that we had to get, and we uh, built them on the outside of the, s- the soundstage in a completely different location. And uh, yeah, it could barely function with the cold.
1: Yeah, I think we were sh- like shooting the Kalina stuff. Yeah. And then this, and Steve was ping-ponging back and forth, and yeah. it was just freezing. That it was right, right at, about a year ago.
0: Yeah. This guy's is massive, isn't he, this
1: John DeSantis? Yeah, John's, uh, I think he's just about seven foot, but the guy is just, he's just a monster. He's awesome guy, great guy, wonderful to work with. All the actors, all, all the Canadian uh, ghosts that we had, every single one of them was outstanding, better than people I've, I've worked with in the past, you know, and they were just... Into the character, they really endured um, the pain and agony they had to go through to uh, have these makeups on all day. And, and, and it really grew. Originally, we talked about, yeah, okay, you know, Breaker will work four or five days. Breaker ended up working like 18 days, 19 days. A lot of these guys did. And, and it was pretty intense. And they were always up for the task. And they did anything that was asked of them. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough good things about hey,
0: them.
2: Paris. I hope you're happy you gave 12 now.
0: Oh. This is a,
1: a simple little gag. Um, Charles Porlay, who was like my right-hand man on the show, he's a Canadian makeup artist, excellent, applied this neck appliance on that guy, and we had a blood bladder running, so blood was pouring out. You really don't see it much, but... Um, and then you'll see something on, on F. Murray Abraham. He's uh, got a big piece of uh, metal or what have you shoved in his neck, which kills him. Again, just a simple appliance.
0: This was a location, a house we found in Vancouver and um, basically there's a shot coming up here that uh, my crew had to come in and uh, completely redress and repaint the room in a very short period of time. We had a, it wasn't really a motion control camera but it was a um, camera that was on a motor that was timed to rotate uh, 360 degrees. And um, as it did that, the, uh, the room changed um, from a, a kind of a well, this kind of room, a nice room, nice clean, a family style room to a decrepit uh, old place. It's amazing that you can actually uh, rent these places, and people—I mean, people will actually rent their houses out, and you can come in there and do all this stuff to them, and they are okay with it.
1: Did that place get trashed out at
0: all? It was pretty pretty trashed after we we worked yeah. on it, but then of course you have to—you must return it back to its original splendor. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's the best part right there. I like that. That's good.
1: I've worked on shows where the houses have been completely trashed, and then they just walk away, and oh, I yeah. just feel horrible for people. dan glass who's the visual effects supervisor on the show is an awesome guy and uh really really uh did a magnificent job and, and worked really closely with both myself and sean this whole show oh look really awesome. that's
0: good now. Like that's that, good man. too that's nice
1: but uh and gail gail tattersall was wonderful too he just did a magnificent job shooting everything uh i think every frame is just gorgeous
2: When we approached 13 Ghosts, one of the things I kept trying to reach for and go back for was this idea of, you know, what's at stake here? What's what's the crisis point? And to me it was always the character of Arthur trying to come back from the death of his wife and reach into his own humanity to find a way to save his children. And it kind of gets back to the very ending of the film where he essentially doesn't try to save his kids so much is that he just can't live a life without them, and he would rather spend, you know, eternity with his kids in, in, in another realm than spend what years he has left on this earth by himself. So we really wanted to go back to that issue of story constantly over and over again, and again, touch upon it as much as possible, and make it as fun to watch
0: as possible. Leave me alone, you guys. I'm recording. Morning, everybody. Mm, something. This again was uh, the same location just down the hall from uh, our previous shot, and it's uh, obviously a kitchen, and we repainted the walls and just redressed it. Um, Gail Tattersall, the DP, was really great. He has a really good eye, and uh, it's really helpful for a production designer to work with a DP that knows lighting, and look at that shot. Yeah, it's awesome. And. Uh, yeah. ...because he can really help the look of the film... Uh, ...the look of the, what the production designer does and really enhance it. And you work side by side with the DP as a production designer... ...and uh, come up with these great images.
2: Thank you, Maggie. I prefer the term bitch. See, lots of girls with loose sex moments. Hey, ho, Mr. Edgar Allan Poe, did you do your homework? Is Mr. Peterson
0: been talking? Ah, damn it! Bobby, it's the third time...
2: The other question, frankly, is mm. do ghost stories scare me? Yeah, I mean, sure, ghost stories scare me. Why shouldn't they? I mean, they're about death, and we're all mortals here. You know, about you and Sean Howard, but, uh, you know, I personally, you know, I'm I'm very aware of my own mortality. Yes, I'm curious about the other side and what what lies there. But, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, the aspects of spirits trapped between this world and the next is a little bit, uh, you know, it's a little bit uh, unsettling, thinking that, you know, Geez, I could get stuck here, in between, you know, the exit door and the entrance door to someplace else, for time and all eternity, unless I get my act together. And uh, there's a certain amount of fright associated with that. I mean, they say these people, these ghosts, are, are essentially spirits with uh, unfinished business. Well, for God's sake, I want to make sure I end it each day with uh, you know, going down my checklist, feeling like I'm all right with uh, going to sleep. Uh, had I uh, only met him a couple of times as a kid. I think one of the most frightening tasks at hand when doing a project like this is 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 the very first crack at the page that says fade up um i mean it 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 has it's 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 a journey Uh, making these projects you know working in film is a journey for a person uh for a director that it's his journey to sort of tell a story his own way and for him to sort of interpret how he sees this the story being presented to his audience when it comes to sort of you know approaching these kind of projects for me in the in the future um some lasting thoughts that i've 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 been you know reeling from is again this aspect of story and how it impacts the human condition you know if we go down the route of of looking at some of the better films involved um again one of my one of my favorites is always going to be the Sixth Sense, and I think Knight told a very simple tale about a boy who could see, of course, dead people, and cared about one ghost in particular to the point where that ghost didn't even realize that's what he was. But he responded so much to the human condition that we forgot we were watching a film about ghosts. We were watching a film about a little boy in peril, essentially, a little boy slipping down a dark, dark tunnel, and this man was reaching out his hand to grab him before he disappeared. Um, you keep wanting to go back to these, these points of, of telling the human story. You know if you can lace in the aspects of the supernatural so be it and if you can do it well uh, more kudos to you more compliments to you it's it's tough to do because they do fight one another to a degree Um, the human condition is about caring it's about compassion it's about sympathy Uh, ghosts tend to be about death being about you know uh, apathy about those we don't care about that are lost in you know in between these realms and you have to kind of find a way of 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 getting closure with both aspects of the uh, the story uh, both with the ghosts and their needs and trying to let them do and finish what they've always been wrestling with been haunted by and the same thing with the human beings in the human story you want to basically allow the humans to get closures as well you know they're in there for a reason we put human beings in stories because we can relate to them and when you relate to them basically you are more engaged by the story you're more reactive to it you 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 feel more compelled to recommend it to other people to see because it would influence their lives and touch their hearts and souls as well you really want to you know you really want to touch people's lives you know and if you can do it with death you know more power to you looks like things are starting to get better right yeah
0: This was a location that we uh, dressed. We added some walls, and uh, my set decorator, Dominique Lemaitre, I think his last name is. It's a really complicated French name, but he uh, he did a fantastic job. He's uh, he has a great. If you ever watch French films, you'll know that. Uh, I mean, they're they're amazing decorators, and he he has a really great touch, and uh, really helped with with these sets with his, set, with, his uh, with all the set dressing and. Lots of eye candy. Who did the
1: illustrations in that book? Do you remember?
0: That was done by the, um, I think it was done by the guy who, who helped you guys with the... Go- with oh, Steve we did that, the, go- the go- think- original artwork? Yeah. yeah. Those are pretty cool, yeah. nice work. And also my graphics guy uh, did some sketches as well. This is, um, this is a park down from the studio. We'd looked all over the place and ended up finding a park literally half a mile away, and um, the shot here of the house, we basically just built the entrance, and uh, Dan and his team oh, dad, built the rest of the uh, house in CG. It's pretty convincing, I think. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like it. Cool. So futuristic. This is done on stage there's no second floor there but uh again dan's wizardry when
1: i first read the script i couldn't imagine what this house looked like and i think i saw one of the illustrations you had done and then i finally understood and when i first came to location um walking through that set it was pretty amazing it, it really made the whole film come together for me and it just kept coming back i would go back and forth from vancouver back to the studio in la and so you got to see the set that sean did it's it's un, it's unlike anything i'd ever ever seen before no one will ever see anything like this again it's, it's spectacular and there were times i'd wander through and i just would get lost and, and that wasn't huge yeah. but it still was very confusing yeah. which was
0: great yeah i mean um, the set the house, you know, being a glass house, you know, you're looking all over, you can see right through everything, and um, it was a great job for a production designer. And uh, this door here was really complicated. Um, it was like a diamond shape if you look straight down on it, and uh, when one door opened, the other one closed, and, and there was a second door that opened, and the first one closed. It was really complex, but you don't quite see everything uh, in the shot here. But um, it's pretty fun either way. It was... It was great to actually come up with it and then see it built and see it work. Really? Huh. You guys couldn't any walls? How? Weird. Guess Uncle Cyrus wasn't too keen on privacy. I sure hope the bathroom's in the basement. That's a foreground element from Dan Glass's team, uh, the CG. Oh. So when that closes, then this one opens. Gail did a great lighting job on this. Mm-hmm. How, how long did you have to design this? It's like it took me about, before I started uh, drafting, it took me about uh, three weeks, uh, three or four weeks to get it down. Really? But it went through many connotations to get there. Mm-hmm. You know you got to, you're dealing with as you know you know budgetary considerations right. and what's available and sizes and
1: that's another th- thing too budget wise it was a pretty tight budget for this whole film it's not a big budget movie by any means I don't know what they ended up spending but it was it was yeah it was, pretty, pr- it was very tight yeah very tight so everyone needed to be super resourceful on, on every department and and I think everybody definitely came through I mean all the
0: set dressing on this is yeah, superb Dominic stuff I really love, you know, other than just designing an actual set, I really love set dressing. I I really think it's uh, very, very important, and, uh... I really wanted to pack this place with stuff, because it's a glass house, but once you get used to the fact that it's a glass house, you want other stuff to look at, and I felt that the set dressing was equally as important. Um... This house was all made of steel, uh, steel framework with glass in it, actual glass, and, uh... We wanted to originally build three stories, and we ended up building about one and a half, and uh, duplicating the this this level as two other levels.
2: One of the things that you know we discovered right off the bat, unfortunately or fortunately, um, was how much glass weighs, and seeing how we had to use a, a specific type of tempered glass for safety purposes, the weight of our set took on an immense. Uh, immense figure, to the point where instead of building it traditionally where you're erecting walls out of plywood and and so on and thin wood veneer with with simple framed backing, we were actually having to construct our set completely out of steel to support the weight of the glass. And that was one of the things I think that surprised everybody and kind of caught us uh, a little off guard. And uh, luckily for Sean and your talents, it was, uh, and we did have the ability to sort of tack with that and construct a design that essentially let us use the set from lots of different angles, but then reuse it for different floors.
0: That guy was pretty evil, wasn't he? What, I don't know his name? Is but Yeah, uh,
1: I think Jr. Yeah. yeah, he was, he was good. He was, he hit it right on. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, actually, all, I think all the actors really work in this film. I mean, yeah. Tony Shaloub is great. Uh, we had just finished working with him on Spy Kids, and, and it was fun seeing him again. And then Matthew Lillard, I, I had worked with him years prior on Scream. and um, Yeah, he was he was really good. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's a great guy. And, and his energy, I think the energy he brought to the film uh, was, yeah. well, it was just right. You know, he's a fun, fun character. I think originally, wasn't that character written as African-American? I, I don't know. It, I thought it was. Like one of the drafts, he had like Rasta hair or something like that. What the?
0: So this was a redress here. Um, After we shot that first floor, we changed it to the basement, brought in all the cables, and Gail turned their lights down, and uh, um, we just basically dirted the heck out of it. I really like the basement. Mm -hmm. It's so eerie, and you've got all these glass walls casting reflections Mm -hmm. and refractions. We shot all the uh, all the stuff with
1: the floor, that you know, pristine, first, right? Then right. we redressed it, like, midway, was that Yeah, one? yeah. I just remember that day before they blew
0: up everything. Yeah. Is that where the redressing then took place? Well, or? we blew it up three times. Three, yeah. <laughs> now, hell, I'm the floor is all glass block. Of course, I wanted to use real glass, but it's just way too expensive, and you can't use plexiglass because plexiglass scratches. So we used uh, my art director to... Uh, I had two art directors tim beach and don macaulay ordered he, they couldn't find any more glass block we got we basically ordered as much as we could we could get and ship in and uh the place is covered in glass block on the floor and ceiling i think a lot of the stuff that
2: we kind of searched for sean and i and the reactions that we had to things were were, were images that we found more in still form you know nightmare still photographs that kind of pushed us into some of the more obscure realms that are found more or less in some of the, the music video clip world that we see today, uh, stuff that is generated by Matthew Ralston, for example, or David Fincher's earlier work with uh, like Nine Inch Nails. I mean, a lot of what we are trying to do is sort of echoes that sort of mentality. Uh, we wanted to get a, a nice cross-section throughout time with these ghosts. We wanted to make sure that we could say that some of them came from the, as early as the 1600s that stepped all the way through time, through the 1800s, the early 1900s, into current and modern day. We wanted essentially a, sort of a slice of Americana, if you will, to the point where we, we, we started with the Pilgrims, we got all the way through, uh, you know, Happy Days to a certain degree, to the point where we were kind of bouncing into ER with the, the death of uh, Gene Criticos. And everybody in between, we felt time-wise, we had sort of covered, which gave, it, you know, gave us an interesting palette to watch our characters and uh, sort of embellish them and and also give, I think, costuming and again, you know, Howard, you know, your group, the ability to kind of really run with some of their designs. When
1: we were prepping this film, since all the actors that play ghosts were uh, out of Canada, out of Vancouver, um, I had uh, them see uh, go to a lab that was in vancouver for life casting and then we brought down some of the other guys to our shop in l.a that was one of the the first steps of making all the ghost stuff was getting these guys molded. we brought in john who played the breaker and, and um, sean who played jackal and, and hammer danny actually there's two hammers in this movie you, you can kind of peg them here and there but the first guy that played hammer actually uh kind of disappeared and we ended up uh scouring the set in a panic and uh danny's um uh, standing was there and I went grab that guy let me put him in the makeup I guarantee it'll work and Steve was a little suspicious of that at first but I think it worked for the for the most part um, if you keep an eye on Hammer through the course of the film you can kind of see it he looks a little bit different in his expressions and so on but uh, for the most part I think it works and Matthew has this energy normally you know yeah. I mean he's a, he's not a subdued guy he's very bouncy and excited and and uh, enthusiastic you know yeah. so that's always it's always fun. I always, you know, if I see a film that comes out and Matthew's in it, I make a point to see it just because I know, even if the film's not that great, Matthew's always excellent and always enjoyable to watch.
2: Oh, what you doing? I know that ain't the best you got, man. My grandma's school better than that. Like a girl, ghost, as in, as in, uh, as in disgruntled spirits trapped on earth. Ghosts, you know, ghost, as in right. Halloween. Okay, boo, great. as in uh,
1: <laughs> Demi Moore and Unchained Melody, right? Ghost. Ghost. <laughs> right. Okay, I get it. I get it. I'm scared. I'm scared. I think he added a lot of that too, didn't yeah, he? I've had living. Yeah, on. a lot of ad living from Matthew.
0: ...as soon as you get you and your children outside. It's yeah, taking you so long. The oh, whole thing's scootin' into the Come oh, on. You cheated. That was a fail. I didn't get started. Got to be on your toes, man. This has to be my room. What was fun about this uh, for me was that the... Uh, I didn't want to do a house that was just... ...science fiction modern. It's because it's with push buttons and things like that. I wanted things with wheels and cogs and gears and... ...handles that you pull and push and... Uh, kind of an old-fashioned feel, and, uh, and also dress it with all of this furniture and stuff that the guy had collected around the world on his travels, and, um, and it, it went together really well. I think people really responded to that. People relate to that. It's really hard to do a science fiction film because people have never seen it before, and, um, it can, they can come off as being cold, and I was afraid of that with this, and so I wanted to do with do something uh, a little bit more, not warmer, but something that people that, that, that people could relate to, We're more f- more familiar with. Yeah, exactly.
1: It it definitely works that way because the house, you know, being steel and glass is yeah. cold, but the, yeah, the surroundings and dressing, you feel kind of homey about it. You feel right. comfortable within the house. Yeah, It's kind of an interesting, you know, contrast.
0: Yeah. your children. Do the same. Are you alright? gonna get you some help. Don't touch me. <laughs> this bathroom was fun. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always wanted to do a room made of completely of glass block. And, uh... This is... It's quite fun, this. The guy that put the glass block in there was there for... It seemed like weeks. Just putting the block in there. But it was great, uh, the way um, Gail had lit it. Is that an effect, that? I was going to say we hooked the two, but no, I think that's really <laughs> Matthew drooling.
1: No, that, that bathroom scene, that was one of the first things up, too, wasn't it? Yeah. As I recall, because we, we had the suicide girl in this. It was one of the first things. So, this is where we find out that the lawyer's actually in on it. And, knows what the gig is uh in one of the early drafts it was really weird they actually it just didn't the script didn't take place over like a night it was like several days i remember and there was like a whole love thing between the daughter and him and it was ridiculous and you know uh they ended up cleaning up here's some more ghosts little boy ghost Uh, there was uh craig who was the 50 scene this is the suicide woman shauna what's the matter honey bad
0: representation This foreground piece of the rotating uh, clockwork mechanism... ...is all done by uh, Dan Glass's team. That wasn't actually there. It's all a CG element. And, uh... pretty convincing, I think. Mm -hmm. Not bad for an hourly wage. Another complicated door manoeuvre. This shot right here, it's all, uh, again, a CG. These doors on the right are all practical. They're actual doors that move. And in the background, um, again here, these are all CG elements. Really convincing, I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the background here, uh, coming up, those are all CG elements. So you see how practical and CG elements working together, they really make it quite believable. And, um... I didn't see all of that till so I saw the film, the premiere, and I was pretty, pretty happy, to say the least.
1: Yeah, there's probably a lot of digital stuff in here that you just wouldn't expect or don't well, notice.
0: Well, we talked about It's in the script, and, but, you know, when you see it, it's great. Here's your shot coming yeah. out.
1: So this, this actress, her name's Shauna. And hey. I, uh... And pretty much it was a, a pretty big makeup. Craig Reardon, who's a very good makeup artist, came up with me from L.A. And Charles Poorlier started, could basically establish this makeup and there's all these cuts and slices and, and on her. And she's basically this woman that committed suicide and sliced herself up. This is the, the gag I was talking about where he gets sliced in half. The, the glass is just cut right through him and glasses fall off a little bit of blood, which is just a blood tube. Tie falls off, obviously. And you'll see him uh, start to slide down. And this is the puppet. With, with the actor's face digitally uh, placed onto it. And then we had a, a back half, an anatomically correct back half that you'll see slide down too. I was really happy all that ended up in the film. It's, it was unusual that it did. We did a test makeup on this makeup, on this girl, and Steve, uh, Steve liked it, but he, he added one thing that disturbed me beyond belief, which was a slice right through her nipple. And when I, when I saw that, finally, it was, that was the one thing that got me, it just pushed it over the edge. So I, to me, that's like one of the cooler makeups in the film.
0: That shot with a guy getting sliced in half has received quite a few reactions. At. People were pretty amazed by that.
1: I think it's unexpected because you yeah. expect to cut away from it, and yeah. it's just the whole the whole scene
0: works really well. Because you hold on it, yeah, f- through the whole thing. There's a good shot here. Another. This right here is CG. The the little table and the glasses. They're all a CG element. And we had to go in there and cut, and again uh cover the place in blood and dirty it down this is the was this the first one of the first things we shot yeah yeah this was one of the first things
1: we shot it clean first obviously right bloodied the bloodied it up and that's all computer as well
2: yeah like dan and ann yeah uh handled to sit out there and, and to watch the house come to life on the effects stage uh, at bridge studios in vancouver canada you know if we were to time lapse it it was almost as if we were building a skyscraper inside this the sound stage and, and as i mentioned before you know and sean you can elaborate on this but uh you know we had to lay the foundation almost in concrete you know and build it steel beam by steel beam until we erected essentially uh A building that you could take outside and it would hold up in the weather I mean hell it could hold up in a in a hurricane if necessary this thing was so
0: strong how much prosthetic does she have on her
1: she's um she doesn't have that much actually it's mostly the cuts the slices which we made a bunch of different slab um, cuts different you know Deepnesses and, and lengths and all and so but there's quite a few on her. There's probably about uh, About two dozen slices all over her and then her body's completely painted She's full nude and uh, she's got these big black lenses in her eyes These big scleral lenses that we put in and and uh, pretty much all the ghosts wear lenses for the most part and uh, She this is like one of the first things she'd ever done to tell you the truth I think like by day she's a paralegal or something uh, and um, She did a great job. She put up with the whole nudity issue and and uh you know, let us make her up every day. Eventually, I switched makeup artists. I had, I had two women makeup artists, Monique and uh, and Leanne, applying it. I felt that would feel a little more comfortable. She worked quite a bit too. She, she had about twelve days in the makeup.
0: How come that stuff doesn't come off in the water?
1: Uh, it's we use special water glue. Uh, it was a tough day. It's completely submerged. Yeah, she is. It's submerged in that bloody water, so it was a hard touch-up day. But uh, it seemed to stick pretty well. It's uh, we use PAX paint, which is an adhesive paint. Um, ...all over her entire body for that day.
2: Maggie! Stop playing I have something for you. lots of
0: fun, There's so many panels and sections in this house. My, uh... One of my art directors, Tim Beach, kept track of all that. And he... I came in one day and he was just... But he was comatose and we had to just go <laughs> to spend the morning and just go over where everything every panel had to be tracked wherever it went and because uh, we could constantly constantly changing the house and uh, Steve would say okay, let's change this when we do this shot here because we wanted the house to seem huge when uh, it, it was big set, but it wasn't as big as you see it on the okay, on, on film So we were constantly moving panels around
2: um you put somebody like you know tony shalhoub in the situation where he's running around a house trying to find a family that has vanished um, being pursued half the time by a bunch of half-craved ghosts um it doesn't happen too often in an actor's career that that comes across his transom uh, nor does it frankly happen too often in real life so as he concentrates on his uh his his craft to make Arthur be, become believable in that that sense of terms and in that environment and in that, uh, in that theater, that sense of theater, you want to make sure everybody else is focused completely on what they have to do and they know what their jobs are. And that can only happen when the director has gotten as much information out to the departments as possible. So when it comes time to bring the actors on board, they know they have the director's complete attention. Thankfully, I did have Sean Hargraves on this movie because this was basically a production designer's either um, daydream or nightmare. Uh, The nightmare part being, you know, how do you make a house out of glass seem like it uh, makes sense? Uh, And luckily, Sean, I had you to rely upon because uh, I was a little bit baffled initially, and I think you really picked up the the problem and and ran with it as far as possible.
0: All these etchings on the walls are um They're an applique, Um, we obviously couldn't afford to actually etch all of this stuff on the walls and uh, on the glass. And uh, they were digitally cut out, and we had a couple of guys stick them on there. They had a slight green tint to them, and um, the light picked up on that really well and really, really kicked off the glass.
2: You had to basically come face to face with a a number of things that, you know, I've never faced before. You know, how do you shoot entirely in a house of glass and not see yourself? Just the reflection issues alone were confounding. I think they were our biggest concern initially. Um, Quite honestly, they were also the biggest surprise because we didn't run into the problem very often. You have to basically be, you know, at a 90 degree angle straight on the glass in order to see yourself. Go off a little left or right and essentially you disappear from the reflection. You know, knowing that we were having reflection problems also helped us anticipate how to <laughs> essentially dress everyone. If you weren't in front of the camera, you were behind the camera, and you were wearing black. So we had a bunch of people that looked like ninjas working on the camera crew.
1: And we get into the glass house stuff regarding Gale. I mean, it took a long time to shoot in there, but, I mean, every single setup was a different lighting situation. It wasn't just, like, light it and move away. You know, there was always reflections and everything, flares, that Gale had to deal with. And, and production was tough on him, but I think he totally came through. Were the, did the spells actually say anything, that were on the, the etchings?
0: Um, well, we, my graphics guy, um... I can't remember his name, but he uh, he did all of it on the computer. Oh, and yeah? uh, it's, I think some of the stuff in there is, like, uh, Latin. The basement is filled with ghosts. In this basement? Of course, in this basement. What is it with you people? If it was next door, I wouldn't give a shit. Ah! I can prove it. Hey, I gave a pair of dolls to Bobby. No!
1: This is a headless torso. Yeah, this is an actor uh, uh, who actually was missing his legs, a guy named Daniel. And um, Dan and Ann digitally removed his head. We did a a dummy head of him. And then that head there where he was moving was the actor's head through a a floor section. Had a hole cut out for him to stick his head in. yeah, that actor, was he was great. I was always, you know, at first kind of a little nervous about, you know, doing the makeup on, on, a, on a double amputee. I uh, just wasn't sure just how to deal with it. I mean, not from a makeup sense, but just as, like, dealing with him. And he was great. He made me feel comfortable. And one of my makeup people, Monique, handled his makeup. And it was just a paint makeup. And uh, we wrapped him up in the saran wrap and taped it up. And his backstory was he was this good-looking guy that got in with the wrong crowd and ended up getting killed all of Black Dahlia style and chopped up and decapitated and thrown in a river or whatever, and now his ghost is in this house. And he scurries about, you know, on his hands, uh, holding, holding a severed head.
0: Downstairs, Arthur. Right, 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 right. But you also said that they're all locked up, right? No, no, no way. Wait, wait, wait. Listen. I'll, uh... I'll make a deal with you. I'll pay you Gail had a lot of fun here shooting through all the glass. It was, uh... I mean, once he figured out how to do it, because it was really difficult, uh, uh... You know, we'd interviewed, um... You know, people we talked to were saying, you know, you cannot shoot a movie in a glass house, because you've got all the reflections. Well, what Gail did was he lit the house pretty brightly, and that actually cuts down on the reflections, and really, really... It really did. It really helped. and. um but there were, there were times where you see a reflection on the floor and you'd be walking around, spend 10 minutes looking, finding where, where the heck it came from. We even had, uh, you know, ghosts that
2: had the echoing, spiritual kind of sense that had this sense of reverberation of bouncing between realms. Uh, that was the category I think we fell, felt that Jean was most appropriate for and that her character would keep trying to cross these, uh, the thresholds between these realms to essentially try and, you know, save her family.
1: an actress named Catherine uh, Anderson who uh, plays the mother and uh, a character named Jean and she's a really great lady really beautiful and and uh, basically she died in this fire she was Tony Chaloup's wife and this little boy's mother and she's in the house as well so we did this gelatin foam gelatin appliance on one side of her face um, I did this makeup and you know, glued it down and blended it off and painted it up. And and uh, there's a lot of detail in it, so we didn't want to cover it in blood. So it's like a what we call KY blood. It's KY jelly mixed with a little bit of blood to give it yet yeah, that red, bloody tone, but still look moist and translucent. So she had to play in that uh, uh, several times. Not a lot, she was probably the least... You know, had to be in the makeup the least of all the ghosts.
0: This is pretty eerie, uh, like... You'd go to lunch, and when you came back from lunch early and got on the set... ...there'd be no one on the set, and you'd be walking around, and it'd be lit like this. It's pretty scary. Okay. And you could also get lost, because we were constantly moving walls around... ...and you'd turn a corner and wait, that wall wasn't there. And okay.
2: Just go on a straight line, turn around, we'll meet back here in five. Five. five.
0: But Matthew Lillard literally walks five feet to the left the camera... ...and he's hit a wall there, but you think he's walking, you know, 100 yards. <laughs> wait a second let's go back to the ghost thingy there are ghosts in the basement if you don't believe me go ahead and look for yourself i told you i can't see any ghosts give me those let me see
2: um all of these ghosts wanted to have this uh you know this instantaneous personality this instantaneous backstory applied yeah
1: that's hammer So i think that's the first hammer danny
0: what's the backstory on him
1: uh hammer was um he was like a blacksmith in this town and he did something wrong and the townspeople got him and killed him and nailed hand you know nails into him and chained him up and cut one hand off and mounted his sledgehammer onto him uh, and he uh, he died, I guess, and, and now he's back in this house, so he's all wrapped up. This was one of the more cartoony ghosts. That's something also Steve wanted to do, uh, is make the ghost as, as realistic and believable as, as you could. And that was the direction we were going in uh, initially, and then things started to change a little bit. And Like this guy here, Hammer, is, is really kind of over the top, I, I think the most over the top. And then I'd say Breaker follows, follows suit. He's, he's kind of broad. But it was a full body suit we had all the nails that were all you know embedded into the foam rubber a big muscle suit because that's something else steve wanted to make the the ghost appear larger you know than the actors which was great so it gave us a lot of leeway and, and saved a lot of time on, on makeup time i think it took about an hour and a half to get get the hammer ready for the most part it took about an hour and a half to get everybody ready and we had a couple days where we had all 12 ghosts uh ready for set and um we did it all in six hours with uh, i think about six makeup artists and. And uh, that was a, a feet and a half. Uh, they were the 80s. Were sure we would never make it in time, but we we certainly did, right on the nose. Dad,
0: listen to me. He's gonna be okay. We're gonna find him. So ready to leave this place. Oh, oh boy, what? Oh, that symbol. This is my favorite girl, of so Jackal. Yeah, Jackal's
1: great, this, this actor named Sean, uh, or Shane, rather, I'm sorry, Shane, awesome guy and uh, so into it, he looked like, you know, he didn't even look, he just looked like this harmless little guy, you know, yeah. when he'd show up in the morning, kind of, hey, how you doing? Get him into it and he's had dentures and lenses and the cage on his head and straight jacket and gloves and... makeup.
0: It's pretty intense seeing this. It is, it really is.
1: We also put like black mouth dye in all the ghosts' mouths. Well all those scratches are digital. Dan Glass handled all that.
0: Anything with teeth that are big and spiky are pretty scary Yeah, we
1: we really crowded his mouth full of teeth and his backstory is that he was in an insane asylum and, you know, just this horrible vicious person and ended up uh, dying in the insane asylum they had this box on his head this cage on his head to protect him from from you know biting anybody but somewhere down the line he was able to rip through and you don't really see his hands that much but his fingertips are all worn away down to the bone you see the you know the, the metacarpals and nails sticking out this is the little boy that's that's the little boy with the arrow in his head we figured he uh was playing william tell in the backyard and they missed the apple
0: I always wondered how he could kill you like what he had but you? Uh, I,
1: you know yeah, that's why I was, I was never really hip on this ghost I, and that was my, my argument with Steve was I thought we should have done something else. I mean he's creepy. I mean the, the, the kid Michael is, is a creepy little kid, <laughs> but uh, I felt that uh, you know with the makeup it, it was okay, but I just I just didn't buy it. I mean the, the ghosts are kind of broken into like there's right. some that are kind of docile, like the, yeah. the big baby and little mama and then there's some that are really ferocious like like Jackal and her suicide woman.
0: Well, the thing about the jackal that was wild is that you'd be out, you know, eating something, and uh, I'd turn to the left, and they'd be standing there, and they'd be going, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. And I'm like, you got a cage on your head, and you you look really scary. <laughs> it's like having a conversation with this guy with a cage on his head.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. It's like when we had them all done, we had a, a tent on the side of the set where we'd, we'd ha- keep them, you know, warm. Cause it was so freezing at the time, and, and uh, we'd all be sitting in there, and I'm sitting in the middle of, like, these 12 ghosts all covered in makeup looking scary and playing, you know, some sort of trivia game, like, okay, if you were a superhero, what would you be?
2: I'd fly. So, but yeah, it was always very, very strange, you know. The most interesting ghost, in the back of my mind, had to be the jackal. And uh, I think the reason why he was the most compelling was His maniacalness, this aspect of this person sort of locked in this cell in the basement of this asylum, uh, encased in a straitjacket, and then essentially caught fire and burned alive, and as he was burned alive, he ripped out the front of the cage that sat upon his head. You know, so we went through this sort of Victorian uh, gruesome psychotherapy as part of his costuming.
1: Cyrus had a nasty habit of enslaving souls. That's why I'm here. I intend to set them
2: all free. I need to know how you the, the gentleman that uh, that took on that role really immersed himself into the role, and it was it was quite phenomenal to see him sort of layer by layer as Howard was applying the makeup. Have um, have Shane simply sort of evolve and, and and devolve, and more importantly, devolve into this this character called the Jackal, and he would start to prance around the the stage, and he would start to essentially metamorphosized into this creature and so when we actually got him out there on the set and got him behind camera
0: my god he was a completely different person we're not talking a hundred million dollar budget here for an entire film and so these movies are basically one set movies where you start somewhere and then you end up in this one place that you you stay for the rest of the film and um, I don't think this movie pretends to be anything else. And what we wanted to do was obviously, OK, we've got this one set, let's see what we can do with it. Let's see how we can light it. Let's see what we can put in it to keep the eye active... ...and uh, uh, keep the interest in the film. And that was a real challenge for, uh, for me to do that. To constantly have something around and behind the actors... ...to uh, have them play off, off the set. I think it's very important for actors when they come to a set... Uh, ...they see, you know, these guys are serious about this movie... ...and that, uh, you know, we have a lot of stuff here to to play off... ...as actors. This was a um, room we added to the end of uh, a hallway... ...that Matthew Lillard gets trapped in.
2: Good job. Sorry.
0: It's really confusing in the movie. You don't know where you are, which is great. The house is completely sealed up. Originally, when we started the film, uh, we had the entire rooms moving... ...and uh, what? What do do? up and down, left and right, forward and back. Um, but um, we found that we could do it with just having the walls close in... ...and uh, the house closing on itself. It was also less expensive doing it that way.
1: And this is the uh, the '50s team uh, guy named Craig played a really good guy. Good uh, looks like Harry Potter actually when he's out of his makeup, it's, it's hair and round glasses. And but anyhow, this was a, a big makeup. Uh, Craig's got a glove on. He's missing some of his fingers and, and uh, in the makeup that is, and a whole chest piece and face piece. And he was basically a kid that you know got wiped out somehow in some car accident, huge huge road rash, and ripped up uh, all his skin off of one side of his body and face. And
0: I rely on you not to get me killed? I guarantee you nothing. Those flares pretty much smoked up the set quite a bit, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, pretty
1: much. That was all Charlie from yeah. B&B effects. Yeah. Those guys did a lot of work on this film. They, they did, they, yeah. They worked like dogs.
0: They had, they had a couple of guys that were just underneath the set the whole time, pulling cables and opening and closing doors. And it was so hot down there with the lights. um, Don't know how they did it.
1: (laughs) Charlie and his partner Tom Bellissimo worked for these guys, Joel Silver, forever and ever. They were on House on Haunted Hill. We've known them for decades. And they always do a great job. I was real glad to see them up in Vancouver as well on this show, because they they always deliver.
2: I'm freaking out now. Come on.
1: That's uh, Big Baby and Little Mama. This, this was like a concept that came out like a week before we started shooting. They were different characters, but we kept brainstorming with Steve. What can we do with these guys? It just kind of we're not sure what, what they're there for. What do they do? And ended up that basically that the big guy, Ernst here, um, who's really that size, uh, is the little woman's uh, son. And she basically fed him to death and he fell over on her and crushed her. And that's why they're uh, they're ghosts now. Basically suffocated her, and he he choked himself to death by eating all this food. So he was a big paint makeup. Lori was a big paint makeup. We played Little Mama as well, um, stretch and stipple on her face, and and all that crazy stuff. And we had all this fake vomit that was poured all over Ernst's chest every day. It was like a gelatin mix, so it's set up. We could remove it and then reapply it every day.
0: He was huge. He was like, you know, I'm six three, and he was towering over me. He was massive.
1: Yeah, very massive. That was a big makeup job. Uh, Leanne, who was one of my makeup artists, handled his makeup, and she had to cover him top to bottom. Uh, no,
0: I'm talking about I'm talking about the uh, the big
1: baby. Yeah, big baby. Oh yeah. right. Yeah, no, he he was. I mean, it was just like covering yeah. him completely with base and every crack and crevice, and he's pretty much just wearing a diaper, and that was it in this bib. Yeah. So Leanne really had to go, and then you know we had showers for the actors. But he, they, he was a great guy. He was really good-natured about it. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't I would be that good-natured about it, but they shaved the, his head and had a little tuft of hair, which they bleached blonde, yeah. so he had to walk around like that for, you know, ten
0: weeks. God. This is a great shot here, just, just roaming around the house. Everything's quiet.
2: Uh, well, we did end up in a lot of corridors. I mean, to a certain degree, we started calling this... Uh, <laughs> we started calling this film Thirteen Hallways. Um, Sean was able to construct enough space so a, a, a dolly can get down a hallway, a steady cam operator can go down one flight of stairs up and around and look through various doors and windows and, and walls and see you know, into the next layer below. I mean, he was quite ingenious about how he constructed the house and how he you know, gave us the ability to move through it.
1: That's, uh, that's Pilgrimist, this, this uh, woman named Xantha who actually works at a, uh, a travel agency by day and ghost by night. Uh, just had a great face, you know, it's some real simple uh, appliance makeup that um, Charles Porlier did on her stretch and stipple and color. And we had white lenses in her eyes and that's her hair and she's in these stocks. And it's an old Pilgrimist that basically died in stocks and now she haunts, haunts around. She's one of the more creepy ghosts as well. People, people seem to react to her.
0: I don't think with white eyes is scary, is it?
1: Yeah, yeah, she's got white eyes with like little, teeny, pinhole yeah.
2: Um, pupils. Yeah, but you helped him! help him without knowing what he was doing? It has a... Um, as a script, of course, evolved and matured, and different forces took effect upon it, and these revolving rooms, these... Uh, this Rubik's Cube mentality kind of simplified itself to the degree that actually the house was more of a prison for all these ghosts and that the uh, the warden as it were was the uh, the evil uncle Cyrus Criticos was to unleash these ghosts one by one over a course of an hour essentially once he was able to connive his, his nephew and have him uh, essentially stuck within the house and uh, once these ghosts were then released they acted as basically combustion fuel to sort of power up the house and make it go faster and faster so it could uh, reach what we call the final configuration an aspect where the actual house was a, a focal point between realms, and it could uh, open up and see the future, or open back and see the past. St. Luke's Hospital, six ago.
1: I Think of one of the uh, one of the first drafts as well. I don't I don't think Kalina was in it, but Maggie, who was the nanny, played by Rod Diga, was actually the, in on it, and she was the right. one that that, you know, was in cahoots with, with F. Murray Abraham's character. And yeah. That was crazy, ridiculous as well. This all works much, much, much better.
0: God's name, why? Tell me why her. I don't know why. Cyrus Ham picked them all, including your wife, but I figured out who you were. God, I've been trying to help you. You call this help? She's right. Is this all your goddamn fault? Son of a bitch. Arthur, you can save her. And your kids, too. Just listen to me and believe me. This house is not a house. It is a machine. It is a complete and faithful recreation of Basilius' design. According to this, there should be 12... This book Earth-like that she's got right here, um, was, uh, um, designed and built, um, from scratch. Uh, Dean and my props guy, um, put this together. Um, all the illustrations were from, um, a guy that Steve knows, and a, my graphics guy. And uh, basically, all the etchings on the walls of the house are from this book. And um, it was quite a piece of work. It was like a Leonardo da Vinci notebook. God knows what happens to that stuff.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you if you kept it. Did no. you ever get it?
0: No, I, I wanted the, uh, the pendulum down in the basement once we destroyed everything, but I don't know who's got that. Mm. Did you keep anything from the show? I think I got a glass block. Did you? <laughs> no, no, I think I got a, I got a little door panel from downstairs. Yeah. I think
2: one of the most difficult jobs of a director is to, um, you know, is to have the answers when people need the answers. As I mentioned before, you know, you you talk to different uh, actors or designers or costume people or dolly grips, or a cinematographer, or the editor, or the sound boom operator. Everybody has a pertinent question for the director, and what you're trying to do is answer those questions before you start filming, so that there are less questions when it comes time to, uh, you know, get before camera. Uh, when the actors step forth, and everybody needs to be focused, and there needs to be, you know, a certain sincere level of engagement with the actors, and they're trying to get into a position where they're taking a part, how unbelievable making
0: it believable. Your
2: uncle. Uh, great. Ah. Oh. So, how
0: many... She was good M. Beth Davids on the left. She was, uh, she's actually British. Her accent was pretty... I mean, you tell me her accent's pretty good, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Actually, she's, she's uh, South African. Oh, she is? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's awesome. She was in Schindler's List. And, right. And, uh, actually, one of the first things she did, I worked with her on Army of Darkness, which is a Sam Raimi film, and she played the... the ingenue. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's nice to see, uh, how far she's come she's very talented and it was nice that she was in this film and there's some good you know, i mean a fairly high caliber level yeah. of uh actors in this for the most part for a film that you you know normally wouldn't expect that
0: to essentially short circuit the system uses the
1: power by, by leaping into the eye and Arthur's supposed to take this leap oh,
0: this room was uh, actually uh I, the bedroom where she um uh no shanna elizabeth um, I had the bathroom and the bedroom, and um, we redressed it as this room. Took the bathroom away. Uh, let me see this. There's got to be a better way. I don't read Latin. Well, we can try the Brian Shell, my uh, construction coordinator and his team did a, a great job of putting this together. He was one of the very, very few per, uh, construction coordinators that actually said yes to the project that I can that he could do it, and. Uh, It was a big, big challenge for him and for everyone involved, and uh, he did a great job. We basically destroyed the house three times. I'm not going to listen to this from you. Colleen is talking about suicide. Whatever I have to do to save my kid. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense.
1: To uh, try to keep the continuity of the, the ghosts as far as the design work goes, once we locked in a you know, concepts, two-dimensional concepts on paper. I, I had two like key artists on my crew at the shop, Norman Cabrera and Don Lanning that sculpted everything. Uh, did a bunch of maquettes, which are small little sculpture studies that for Steve to look at and approve and email and bat- photos back and forth. But those two guys pretty much spearheaded everything. They, they sculpted every, you know, they took a set of ghosts. Don took six and Norman took six and, and went with it and, and really did a great job. And then Norman was responsible for a lot of the finishing work, a lot of the paint work, designing the paint schemes on um, Hammer and Jackal and and uh um breaker and so forth.
0: Okay. How many flares you have left? One. Why? We're going out again. Oh no
2: fucking way. Arthur, you won't get yourself killed. Not if we
0: take that. We got about 10 minutes till the shit hit this door, um actually was It was glass there, but we also had, uh, what this is actually, I think this is two pieces of glass that are laminated together with a space in between, um, to make it lighter. And, uh, coming up we change it to plexiglass. And, um, it's a pretty heavy piece of work there. You can see the lamination right there, two edges. And when uh, when they get attacked coming up, you can actually see the, the plexiglass uh, wobbling. Knock it off, Dennis. Just keep your eyes open. I hope I don't bleed to death. That would suck.
2: Rotate.
1: Also when they get attacked, there's, there's all these sparks, you know, from the, uh, the impact onto the glass and there were squibs. Oh, there's the, the dead guy again. Uh, there were squibs that Charlie put on, but then um, Dan had to remove the squibs and, the, and the, the detonator line from each one of those shots too. So obviously you didn't see it in the shot, so that was one of those invisible digital effects things that those guys had to pull off.
0: This, this mechanism here that I designed this huge machine in the middle is basically uh, like two oil drill bits facing each other, turning opposite directions. That's the basis for that design, and uh, it was great to draw that thing and then uh, actually see it work like this. It r- really worked worked right. Dan did a great job of that. All the doors were operated by a guy underneath the floor, pulling uh, cables.
2: I guess I'm somewhat of a constant worrier, which kind of is interesting because it makes me re-examine things over and over again, but it also makes me sort of finalize aspects of the story and the picture in my mind. You know, ideas about how the house moved, how that was critical to the movement to the machine in the basement, how we had to sort of make sure that editorially, you know, once the machine engaged, it engaged in such a fashion that made logical sense. Every ten minutes, another ghost was let out, etc., etc. It had to make physical sense. It had to make sort of even linear sense to a certain degree. And this is F. Murray Abraham as a
1: ghost, and. He's got a throat appliance on, uh, you know, slit throat thing there. Charles Portalea handled his makeup as well. I thought those two would would suit each other uh, very well. Charles is is a very polite gentleman and and, uh, did a good job dealing with uh, F. Murray Abraham, who was wonderful as well, and did a good job on the makeup. Originally Steve uh, had a concept of a big like the metal still sticking out of his neck and it just always seemed odd And, and we waited to make a judgment until we finally saw it and we did it And of course that piece of metal went bye bye It just seemed ridiculous for him to be acting in a scene with a big piece of sheet metal sticking out of his neck You know for all the scenes So we just left it with the, the big slit in his throat and dress blood and paint makeup on his face This is actually the second Hammer, uh, Herbert, who uh, was the standing who became Hammer. His eyes are a little different shape and, and he does this poochy thing with his, his lips all the time. That's that's how you kind of tell the difference. There's uh, John DeSante as Breaker, which is a, a really cool make I like that one a lot. Still in his workmen's, uh, you know, Clothing all blown apart.
0: Yeah, the break had like a full body.
1: Yeah, it was a full body thing. Because he was a
0: big guy, but he wasn't that big. Right,
1: yeah, we really defined his his, his muscles and, you know, give him a six pack and all that stuff and, and uh, emphasize his biceps and triceps and all that crazy stuff. Same with John DeSante, he was in a full body appliance. This here was like a combination, obviously, of shots of Matthew. And then we, we had just like a, some baloney dummy that, you know, was just foam and floppy dummy we used. And all kind of worked, worked well. Matthew's demise. Think out of all the uh, actors they picked to play ghosts, John DeSante, played Breaker, had the most experience. He had done a lot of stuff uh, prior to this, and uh, he was lurch on the TV show, the Adams Family TV show, and he was well-versed in, in, in how to perform in a makeup and suit, which is difficult at times. You need to overexpress your, your expressions, essentially, um, to make everything read through. But as time went on, they, the guys learned how to perform quite well as Ghosts. Developed characters, you know, they just weren't wandering around they in their own minds had their own
0: individual um, characteristics This is all a CG post effect
1: This, this was torturous. It was after Catherine had been in the makeup for like 14 hours, and Steve's like, OK, got to do a close-up. and I was like, oh, man, this is going to look so crappy. So I kind of jumped in there and tried to futz it together real quick and patch some stuff that had come up uh, you know, through the course of the shoot day. But it ended up looking alright. I was real nervous about this, and just the way the makeup might look a little ropey. And, and uh, the way Gail shot it and uh, the way Steve used it it, 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 it relieved me when I finally saw it. I was like, OK, this, this works OK. Always love those type of shots, starting yeah. and creeping along, or, yeah, or creeping. So, yeah, I just, I think those are awesome. I always, always enjoy that. This is where Kalina gets uh, squooshed.
2: You just can't teach some people. I thought I told you.
1: Built a couple different dummy versions of of This is one combined with. And squished and Ann and Dan, digital, uh, combined MBeth with the puppet. there was actually more to it as well. Uh, there's another side where we really squished it and had these cl- heads that crushed in, and brains squirted out, and eyeballs popped, and it was pretty gory. I-, I had a feeling that would never make it in. Uh, it looked pretty good, but maybe it'll be on this DVD. Who knows?
0: These rings at this point, of course, are all uh, post-effect CG element, and uh. The actual rings are made of uh, real material. We try to use as many real materials as possible. So it's brass and copper, steel, different kinds of metals. Because fake metals never look like metal. They always look painted. You can't get the reflections correct, the light. This house is not a house, it is a machine designed by the devil and powered by the dead. These spinning discs were a bit of a nightmare for me to design because I had to try and justify what they were connected to... ...as opposed to being just floating discs spinning. Um, we could never address actually how it would really be built, but um, it came out convincing in the film.
2: The most interesting thing, I think, that, you know, in hindsight, looking back on the design of the of the film and the way it was laid out was, ironically, how well we felt that the ghosts fit within the house and in the structure of the ocularis and the way this thing all came together. I mean, talk about some very disparate parts, some very mechanical, very hard edged, very, you know, visually, you know, heavy in certain ways. And then you take this other section, you know, the category of the ghosts, and you try to say well does that even fit together that's like apples and um and bricks it's not even you know it, it they don't even sort of coexist in the same sentence uh, and so when we look at the film nowadays and we kind of step back away from things we kind of go okay here's the cube here's the prison here's the house here's the clock mechanism here's the ghost that fit within it all you know it's it's quite surprising to see how much of it all
0: fits together I was really nervous here because the glass—he kept be- see the glass wobbling. He kept beating him, and the glass was wobbling. And I was just ready for it to smash, mm. but it held up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought if he missed him and he actually hit the glass with that stick, we would be in trouble.
1: Actually, there was really very little damage. I mean, nobody got hurt on the set or nothing. Oh, that,
0: that was the first thing I thought of when I started yeah. the film—was breakage of glass and people uh, getting hurt. Yeah.
1: which never ever happened. No,
0: it didn't. No.
2: Well, people were very careful on the set as well, yeah. you know, the, the crew and all. You know, it's also interesting is that, you know, these kinds of projects, you know, 13 Ghosts in particular, you know, what has it led to? You know, where do you go from here? You know, what do you expect out of this? Well, you know, a, a film like 13 Ghosts is an entree, is an entree into, um, you know, an industry essentially. And within that industry, you need to you need to establish yourselves as, as a responsible filmmaker and somebody that can, you know, understand and ascertain a... a a number of responsibilities um to be able to tell a story from a basically a, a printed page and convert it into a cinematic experience you have to be able to sort of convey that that's sort of like rule number one you can tell a story uh rule number two is you can do it for basically a responsible figure uh, you can't step into a room and you can't step into a mcdonald's for example and uh, expect to order you know 17 hamburgers and only have 15 cents it's just you know something you have to be responsible about and when making a film like 13 Ghosts, you have to basically, you know, follow some simple guidelines. The scene where they throw uh, Murray
1: into the, the things, we had built a, uh, like a full dummy puppet that we, we shot on green screen uh, with all the pieces, head and all that. And Rod puppet him through the, through the shot and Dan went ahead and, and took him and used him however he felt best. Trust
0: me, Arthur. It's not over yet. You can finish this. <laughs> you still have the power in you. It's just a matter of how you use it. go to your kids, they need you. Basically, what he's looking at there is just a, uh, a mirror that is spinning... ...and lights hitting it almost like a disco ball, but it's not a ball. And that's how they get the strobing effect. We blew the house up three times for the three different levels that we dressed... ...and uh, had to replace all of the glass. Mm. And um, it was was pretty amazing. We were asked to leave the stage during the explosion... ...and uh, they'd go three, two, one, and you'd be outside the stage... ...and all you'd hear would be this big woof. And you walk inside, the house is gone, except for the framework. And um, it was pretty amazing that everyone would say... -"Aren't you sad now? The house is gone." It's like. No, I've actually been on the set for months, I'm ready for it, (laughs) my feet hurt.
1: So this is a shot we did uh, actually pickups in Vancouver uh, the day of the uh, attack on the United States. We were all in Vancouver shooting this, so it was kind of difficult. But we had a last, we were trying to figure out what, are, what do the ghosts do? Where do they go? And they kind of just dissipate uh, into there. So we had each ghost come in, we remade them all up and had them walk across a green screen. And Dan and Ann went ahead and put them into that shot, which worked much better than. ...what they initially had, which was almost like a Casper the Friendly Ghost ending... ...in one of the first versions where they're all are floating around, all happy, which was utterly ridiculous. This worked out, I thought better. I figured the ghost just went into the world uh, to haunt somewhere else.
0: So These broken rings here are all CG. And I think they added some stuff also, some bits of broken glass and machinery.
1: I'd like to say that, you know, it was really a fun movie. That was one thing. Uh, I, I thought the crew was great, Steve was great, Gil was great, everybody was great, and it was a joy to work on this film, and, and that really is rare. I mean, K&B's been involved with almost 400 movies, and and it's hard for me to think back and go, wow, I had a really great, great time on this, and it felt like I was really a part of the film, and, and, and this was definitely one of them, and, and uh, I really like the way the movie turned out. I'm proud of the work, and I enjoy the movie. I'm proud of the, the way the film turned out, and. And how all our stuff was used. So it was—it was a complete pleasure, and I wish I could do it again, <laughs> a lot sooner than than how it probably will be.
0: Yeah, I second that. Uh, that and uh, this was my first film uh, as a designer, and um, it was a great platform to jump off of as a designer into doing movies. I Previously worked in commercials, and uh, it was uh, great to work with Steve, and um, and I really appreciate uh, the patience of Gil Adler and uh, Joel Silver, and. All, all the team of people that uh, helped the vision come to the screen and uh, I think it was pretty surprising for me to see this uh, at the premiere and to see everything come together, it was pretty wonderful.
2: I think, you know, the uh, the industry at large, you know, regards this movie as a success and they want to see, you know, more of it, more of its kind and uh, maybe more of myself. So, you know, it has led to another film, albeit another ghost story, but it's a different type it's a, it's a, of a different speed and of a different nature it does sort of attend to similar um, concepts that being ghosts or but in our case with this next film it's a it's more about what their influences are on us as opposed to our reactions to them